Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Airway First, the podcast from the Children's Airway First Foundation. I'm your host, Rebecca Downing. My guest today is Kelly Richardson. Kelly is a mom, wife, author, and clinical education specialist working to equip anyone wanting to know how to improve their breathing and sleep quality. She has spent the majority of the past 25 years in the dental industry, training dentists on expansion orthodontics at Align Technology and Strawman, TMD Solutions, and dental airway education at the Dawson Academy. She is trained in myofunctional therapy at the AOMT and breathing coaching at the Buteco Clinic International with Patrick McEwen. Her focus at Super Breathers is to provide airway awareness to parents, caregivers, teachers, and medical professionals who can help identify and screen children who present with signs and symptoms of disordered breathing and restless sleep. Her book, The Very Stuffy Nose, is available on Amazon. You can find out more about Kelly on her website at superbreathers.com. And now, here's my interview with Kelly Richardson. All right. Thank you so much for being on the program today, Kelly. I really appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you helping me get my message out so that I can help other parents learn what I didn't know at the time. And I I can hopefully be a voice for them when their children are younger um, and get some treatment. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I will tell you, that's part of what's so great about having you on here is you're going to have both sides as we get into this and share with parents. But, you know, you've you've been on the the medical side of it. So you've got that background, but you have this journey that I want to make sure that parents hear, you know, straight from you. So let's go ahead and start at the very beginning. Let's talk a little bit about your background before we get into your journey with Finn. Okay. Yeah, sure. So I've been in the dental industry for over 25 years. And um, this is an industry I had interest in from high school. Um, But before college, I worked for a dentist. I was an assistant and I just really loved the field. But going through college, for me, the business school was a much better fit than than going through the science school. So I ended up on the business side of things, which is absolutely a fun side of the industry, I have to say, because uh, for 10 years, I was able to learn and talk to dentists about materials and learn how teeth, um, how the restorative process and all of that. But after 10 years, I was um, starting with Invisalign and they were still in their somewhat of a startup phase. And so what was happening is the general dentists were starting to notice or starting to implement orthodontics in their own practice. And I found that a lot of the GPs that were trying to implement it, were looking at it from the perspective of straight teeth. And I had this one dentist that stood out and I, I approached him and I said, would you mind pulling some cases together? I'll do all the, I'll do all the work. I'll, I'll bring some doctors, doctors in and we'll do a study club, but bring your cases, I'll write the presentations, and we will present what you're seeing because the message that he presented was more of a multidisciplinary, how to implement orthodontics into a a general dentist practice so that the general dentist is able to upright the teeth or put the teeth in the right spot before restoring them. And that was such a great message because instead of if you have a tooth breaking down, you want to be able to figure out why, what's the root cause of it breaking down and then put the Mm -hmm. teeth in the right spot because the breakdown in a lot of cases and what we found a lot of times because the teeth would be tipped in. We weren't asking why they're tipped in. We would just see a lot of tipped in teeth and V-shaped arches. And when you're treating with the liners or there's a lot of other devices, I'm not specifically saying liners are the only way, but what I'm saying is that when you can upright those teeth and put them in the right spot, then mm-hmm. your teeth come together in a way that fit together properly. You have a proper bite, and then you can restore the teeth to that bite. So we worked for seven years on this message. And as we continue to improve over time, what this particular dentist was doing is he was finding that the more he uprighted the teeth, that there was more space for the tongue. And then there was space to align the anterior teeth. So this mm-hmm. is an airway message, but at the time, this is 2005 to 2012. Yeah. Airway wasn't even on the radar. There was no right. nothing about airway. But what we did notice is that it was the most conservative way to implement this, this technique. 
And what this particular general dentist did was he kept going down the path and learned later on how this was affecting the patient's airway. And he started to notice his patients were feeling much better and, and went that path. Whereas I took a different turn at, at about um, a year after my son was born, I had decided to take a territory that was not, didn't include him in the territory. I was in Manhattan. I had been traveling outside of Manhattan and I wanted to be closer to home. And so I ended up taking a different territory and I missed that part of the message. So that's when, that's when Finn was born. Okay. Kind of unfortunately. Right. Because <laughs> I, 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 I missed that, but I'm, you know, I look at my story and I'm just unbelievably great, grateful that I have a story to tell because we caught it early enough. But what mm-hmm. happened is my son Finn was born and in our opinion, of course, he's perfect. And right. I, and I am a working mom. So my husband and I both had jobs. We, we lived in Manhattan. It's, it's not cheap to live in Manhattan. It wasn't like I was going to take a year off. But I knew for those three months that I had that I thought, well, breastfeeding is important and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make a go at it. But when he was born, he wouldn't latch well. And when I mean, he didn't latch well, it was a real struggle. Mm. So I thought, okay, somebody's going to have an, I mean, this is kind of, this happens probably more than not, you know, people have Mm -hmm. this. So I, I asked the lactation specialist there and they said, oh, you're just doing it wrong. Just adjust and keep pushing. And they kept me, they kept trying to give me ways of physically moving him, but it just wasn't working well. And I was conditioned in a way to think, okay, nobody's, nobody in the hospital seems to have answers. And so this must, I must be an anomaly because if this is something that happened on a routine base, I mean, they babies coming in and out of here, like, in right. Manhattan, like right. I see this all the right. time. So if this is not working for me, then it's, it's me. It's definitely me. Sure. Something's going sure. on here, but you after about, that, right. Right. And so, but I, and I also thought that somebody would have answers. And even within that week, I had no answers, but I'll go, I'll go back the next day after just trying to try my best. I took that bottle that was in his little bassinet in the hospital and I just stuck it in his mouth. And he's like, he is just sucking away. He is like trying to live here. I am trying a different path and it's not working. And I just felt this huge relief that I can feed my child. <clears throat> so we talk, we talked to the pediatrician about this and again, nobody's alarmed. Nobody offers a multiple um, solutions or reasons why it's just, Oh, okay. Well, he's losing weight. Here's a six pack of formula. And I'm like, wow, this is great. Now I'm, you know, I'm off and running. Sure. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, I, I bet you if I stick with this, it's going to work. So I I'm, trying to nurse him at home and then pumping in between that, not much is happening there either. So I was like, it is definitely me, but I, I really went, went at this for like two months. Meanwhile, okay. I'm also supplementing with formula. So this is kind of my two months with Finn and it, he, he started to gain weight. He was fine, but he needed the supplement of the formula and okay. So after about two months, I just said, this is, we're not getting very far. Let's just go straight to that. And that's where we went. Yeah. So um, what I will say about that is that um, when, when I look back and I, I'm going to mm-hmm. go back to when I was doing these presentations with this GP in, in upstate New York, where we started to see all these teeth that were tipped lingually. Um, mm-hmm. What I found out later um, is that the reason these teeth get tipped in lingually is because there's nothing to keep them from tipping in. And when people or children or just anyone in general, when the tongue is not in the roof of the mouth and Finn's tongue was not in the roof of his mouth because it couldn't physically stretch it up there, nor did he know that it should be up there because by introducing a bottle, I'm teaching him that his tongue goes down Mm -hmm. and then his cheeks, which have these muscles and these muscles, when you push in, just like you're trying to drink a, out of a medium sized straw, a, a milkshake out of a medium sized straw, and you can really feel these muscles, they're called the buccinator muscles. Well, these muscles are pushing in on the teeth and uh, for adults and, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, or for children that have posterior teeth. 
And um, and when they get to the age of first year, <laughs> right, where they have most, right. most of them have them at some point. Yeah, but 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 you know you're not going to notice this as a baby. But what'll happen is. Um, and I learned this when I worked at the Dawson Academy, Pete Dawson, he was one of the fathers of occlusion, dental occlusion. And he would say when teeth and muscles war, muscles always win, which means oh. that the teeth are going to go where the muscles tell them to go. So if there's no tongue in the roof of the mouth and your cheeks are doing all of the work. So for Finn, he was sucking on a bottle. Then we went to squeeze pouches. Because mm, when you have a tongue tie, yep. well, what's so great? I mean, look, you, there's veggies, there's greens. I mean, sure. look, covering all the bases. <laughs> right. And you can hand it to them on the go. You yeah, can, it's so easy. It. It's so easy. Yep. But what happened is when he was in daycare, he, um, he, ch- he choked on a raisin because he was a gagger because he didn't learn proper tongue function because right. he, he was tongue tied. And mm-hmm. he also had been taught low tongue posture. So that being said, I was really, really big on these pouches. And the problem with these pouches is this is going to continue to develop these cheek muscles, which are going to continue to push things in. And when the tongue is not in the roof of the mouth, it's not going to develop out. Also, um, when the tongue is low, which the tongue is attached to the lower jaw, then um, it pushes back when you sleep. So if it's low in the mouth and it's not suctioned to the roof of the mouth, it it can push back. But imagine if it's suctioned to the roof of the mouth at night, then it's holding the lower jaw forward while it's suctioned to the upper jaw, kind of like glue, and it Mm -hmm. keeps the lower jaw from falling back into the airway. So not only was the tongue tie a problem for not being able to feed or breastfeed, it was a problem because he had a recessed chin. And my husband asked the doctors, you know, why is his chin so far back? And they're like, oh, well, that's normal. It'll come in. Okay, great. Chin's mm-hmm. coming in. Good to right. know. All right. We didn't right. know that one. So all of these already signs of disordered breathing or obstacles to proper optimal breathing were already there. And I had no idea because when I was Googling, there was nothing there. <laughs> and right. Doctors around me didn't seem alarmed. We had, um, so. And no one noticed the tongue tie at this point. Oh, no one noticed the tongue tie until six and a half. Okay. So Finn, our restless sleeper. um, And, and, and so even though I thought he was a good sleeper, we put him to bed and he would sweat. So we got these diapers and I mean, I got the best ones on the market. These are the most absorbent diapers. They That's what it says all over the package. Mm-hmm. He would wake up with these diapers saturated. They were so wet that they would be disintegrating. And the, there were these mm. little Orbeez balls, looks like Orbeez, tiny little balls that yep. would, would be left in this diaper. And it wasn't urine. It didn't smell like pee. His bed sheet had a circle of moisture around it. And- wow. What I found out later is that night sweats is symptomatic of mm-hmm. a couple of things, obstructive sleep apnea yeah. and inflammation in the upper airway. So this for sure is a behavior that is indicative of that, which I didn't know. We just couldn't figure out why he was sweating so much. And so he got to a point where he didn't sleep well, uh, laying on his did you put him on the stomach or I don't remember which, what we did, but when we would try and put him to bed, he wouldn't lay down flat very easily. He didn't have, he wasn't arching his back. He wasn't doing anything that would make us go, wow, that's something we need to get checked out. He just wouldn't sleep, mm-hmm. but he would sleep. Okay. If we put him in his little bouncy seat, there's these little inclined sleepers that you can uh-huh. put on the floor. And you yeah. Yeah. Down. Yeah. So he could sleep in that. So w- we ended up putting that in the crib because if he did fall out, even though we would buckle him in, you know, there's, this is where you sleep and we would put him in here. So he seemed to sleep better in that. Okay. Um, okay. So now we've solved this problem and we've looked at, they always say, if you raise the bed or you put this wedge thing under the mattress, mm-hmm. that'll help. But I right. think in all of these situations, what you're trying to do is you're trying to accommodate an airway that keeps getting blocked off. And what we know is that children are more sensitive to the airway closing off versus an adult. So an adult mm-hmm. can stop breathing for 10 seconds and 
have tolerance for that. But a child will come as they as that airway starts to close off, it will move them and, and their body will continually stay in these these lighter levels of sleep, which keeps them from getting to the deeper levels of sleep, which right. we now know is, I mean, what, what I know now know is where you get your uh, emotional regulation, your ability to focus, your ability to um, develop muscle and the hormones that come in that tell you to shut off the waterworks. Mm-hmm. So if, if he was a bedwetter and, and, and that may or may not contribute to his sweating, but all of those, when you don't get enough of that hormone in that deeper level of sleep, then it's, you see all of the symptoms that we saw. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, he was also a very, um, he was what we called all boy, lots of energy, which we thought this is great. We love having a boy. This is good, but right. he, he could spend an entire day in a New York city park the entire day without running out of energy. And Mm. that's, that's pretty alarming. You know, there should be these levels where you kind of need some downtime and all of that, but Mm -hmm. he didn't need that much. So my husband and I would kind of trade off. I I'd have my morning coffee and he'd take him to the park and then he'd come back and I would bring lunch and then we would do these trade-off things, but he had a lot of energy. So we didn't think that was that big of a deal. We just, you know, great. We're outside. It's nice to be outside in Manhattan because your apartments aren't mm-hmm. usually that big. So it was, a, it was good. Um, but again, that is another sign of disordered breathing and not right. being able to get proper sleep. So he's got right. the extended levels of cortisol that have just been coursing through his body. He's been in fight or flight his whole night constantly trying to stay mm-hmm. alive. Yeah. So, um, so, so we had, that issue, um, which didn't seem to be an issue until we got into pre-K. So when we got into the okay. pre-K program, um, in, in New York, they had this, um, you, sometimes you have waiting lists to get into the pre-K pro- program. They just introduced them and the, the school that was a block away from us. We got into a program that was an hour away. We're like, just oh. put us on the list for the one down the street because two hours, a two hour commute to get your child to school was just not, it was just not right. There's, there's a lot. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we decided to wait and, um, by waiting after about maybe, I don't know, mid year, they had a position. So they had a spot that opened up, someone moved. And so we, he went there and the teacher started to notice that not only was this all boy excessive energy, um, it it was being, it was a little problematic. And so she wanted to meet with us and she met with us. It was so it, was it wasn't disruptive. problematic to her. Oh, okay. They were like, we can handle him. It's just that we thought it was taking him a little while to get adjusted. But ultimately, in a school setting, you still have to be able to sit quiet, sit still, and focus. And so right. his inability to focus was okay. part of it. And then because he isn't able to sort of come down into this level where he can focus then he, um, that it, what we, what sounded to us like, oh, she's talking to us about ADHD. I mean, he's got ADHD, right. right. So, but she never said those words and she was, uh, her name was Miss Jessica. She's one of the kindest people I think I've ever met, especially when they're trying to gently tell you that your child has some issues. (laughs) Right. So I just, there's so many people along the way that have been just, um, incredible blessings that have have spoken to us at the time. They may not have given us the right direction, but she, she never said, well, we would need to put him on medication if he's going to come here. It was never that. It was just your child qualifies for a program that a lot of parents want for their kid. (laughs) It's kind of like having a private school education in a public school. But at the same time, we're thinking, gosh, why did we never really realize that he wasn't going to kind of fit into the school setting in the way that all the other kids fit in. We just mm-hmm. thought he just had, had a lot of energy. energy. Right? Yeah. You know, he's a boy. Um, and we, believe me, we are the parents that have learned a lot. We didn't know much going in. We kind of just figured we'd wing it. And that was, um, <laughs> maybe we should have read some more books. Maybe we should have had some lactation specialists on hand. You know, I would say, if you're going to go and have a baby for the first time, maybe I would take a couple of those breathing classes. Cause I figured, Oh, I can do that. But right. how can, how hard can it be? Well, that would have been helpful. And, and actually learning about breath 
um, breastfeeding before it happens so you can get ahead of it. So, so when did a, the, this, this kind of watershed, this, this aha moment happen when you realize <laughs> what's going on with Finn? Okay. So this is where another sort of crazy thing happened. We decided, okay, that summer, um, and, and we decided the teacher had told us that he, he would qualify for this program and she would go to bat for him to be in it. So we okay. thought, and she said, there's a lot of people that request it, but their kids don't qualify and ours did. So we thought, okay, okay. we went, we went away that summer, um, to visit some family near a beach and we were at the beach and we're like, you know what? Maybe we'll just leave Manhattan. Maybe it's just not the right space for him. And it's, it's maybe it's just time to go somewhere else. So we ended up moving to Florida and we found a nice little school and we thought maybe that's just going to be better for him. And meanwhile, the other symptoms that he had, he had constant congestion. He would clear his throat every couple of minutes, if not every minute. Mm. And it, we, we were asking around for that. He didn't have enlarged tonsils or adenoids. They scoped him. That wasn't a problem. And they had also had us keep a diary of his diet, but nothing came up on that or to do some food elimination. Now, what I will tell you is that the dairy issue, we had started to go top heavy in dairy because not only were we doing the squeeze pouches because of his potential gagging issue, um, mm. we were also, it's also easy to give him these yogurt packs. Mm. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. Yep. And cheese sticks and all these easy things that we're thinking, oh, he's getting protein. This is great. The doctor wants to give him dairy. So he's building bone. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. he's not building bone and muscle as much, or at least muscle because he's not in. He's not doing restorative at night. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's when those hormones come out. He's also not the tallest kid in the class. He's more, if you lined him up by size, he's closer to the front. Um, He had venous pooling. So we, that's another indicator because if your maxilla, your upper bone isn't moving forward because your tongue isn't pushing on that bone. So that's mm-hmm. another reason the tongue needs to be on the roof of the mouth to develop a wide arch, to keep the muscles from pushing in, to push the teeth in and give you a narrow arch and it pushes forward. So if your tongue is not pushing your upper bone forward, then you know, you're going to have a problem later. So, um, that was another indicator that we obviously didn't pick up on at the time. So we decide we are going to move. We moved to Florida and to do this, we need to quit our jobs. So we quit our jobs, right? <laughs> Florida. Okay, great. And so I was spending a lot of time on LinkedIn and one night, and this is not, this is still probably maybe six or seven months in to our move. Still no answers. Okay. He, again, I don't know if I mentioned this, but he woke up, um, on average, three times a night, he would wake up and call for me. And I've always been the type that I can, I can wake up, I can help him and go back to sleep. And so obviously that fragmented sleep for me was not ideal, but it wasn't, it wasn't as big of a deal as it would be for some people that can't get to sleep because fragmented sleep is a very big deal. But, but that said, he would wake up, but the hard part is, is he's frustrated. So is he frustrated because he can't breathe because we could hear Mm -hmm. noisy breathing we knew something was going on with the congestion or did he have a nightmare and he couldn't articulate it. He was just frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit with him, help him get back to sleep. And then it wouldn't be too long before he'd be awake again, but he wanted to sleep and his whole little body knew he needed this. And I had no answers. Right. I mean, none. Just a parent. I mean, that's. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And so, and even learning to ride a bike, we were at the stage where he would try to learn a bike, but it took a while. And what I learned later is that when you don't get to the deeper sleep, the the information you learn that day, all of that is worked through in your deeper levels of sleep. Mm-hmm. So if you learn to ride a bike, you can, you can get the motion, the pedal motion, but if you go to sleep and it, and sleep specialists are going to be able to tell you this way better than I am, like describe how this works. But what I do know is that it translates that day learning and it puts it what I call little files. So it's sort of like Mm -hmm. it takes all of the information you learn and then it goes into your little brain section where it pulls out the filing cabinet and sticks it all in the files. And then, then you're like, okay, I'm all organized. My desk is nice and neat and I can start my new day. But for Finn, not getting to those other levels, he's just piling it on his desk. 
And then mm-hmm. new information just piles on his desk and there's nowhere to reference it because it's all there. It's all messy. And right, so right. he and would put a link, by the way, we've got an episode with Dr. David McIntosh. He does uh, a beautiful job re- explaining that. So I'll put okay. that in here. So it makes a little more sense for people. That would be great because there's so yeah. many specialists that can explain all of this. I just experienced it. <laughs> right. So he, um, so yeah, so all these little things. And also we were going to OT, occupational therapy for low tone because he wasn't getting that muscle development. So mm, okay. th- this is another thing we were doing. We enrolled him in gymnastics and he was learning how to build up his muscles but it was all in many ways because he wasn't getting the muscle development that he would get in that deeper level of sleep. And still no one noticed the tongue tie. No one had talked about oh, no. how he was sleeping. Nope. None of that had nope. been brought up yet. Mm-mm. Okay. We're now at five and a half years old or actually six years old at this point. And okay. I am, um, I'm, I'm online looking and it's um, kind of late at night. I'm, I'm looking through LinkedIn, still trying to find a job. <laughs> <laughs> So I would say maybe find a job before you move, but anyway, <laughs> but it was fine. It was a nice break that we had. And I, and I had some people that were like, just wait, we're going to have an opening. But what happened was I'm looking on LinkedIn and this post comes up from this orthodontist clear across the country in California, never mm-hmm. heard of him, have no idea how I'm connected with him on LinkedIn. Cause I had really never spent a ton of time on LinkedIn before this. And this post has if your child, and I literally cannot talk through this without getting emotional because it's sort of like when people say, you know, when Elvis died, you remember that moment. Yep. <laughs> when yep. Prince Diana died, you know where you were. Right. I tell you, this moment was it for me. <laughs> if your child has these behaviors and these um, these signs and symptoms, and I and I I got to reach out and, and find out that exact what it said, but it described my son to a T the restless sleeping, um, the hyperactivity, the chronic congestion. I, I, I really literally can't tell you what it said, but it was him. And I've been sitting there going, Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I, I, I'm like, I I think this has got to be it. So, but of course I don't know this doctor. I mean, I've never met him and and I don't know why I have this post. I don't know. I don't know how I'm connected, but what it turns out that um, he said in, in the post, it says, then you should look at his sleep and breathing um, is could be sleep disorder breathing. So I thought, okay, wow. Well, I wonder if anybody um, at the ADA, it's coming up in a couple of months in Atlanta. And I wonder if anybody's speaking on this. So I mm-hmm. type in ADA meeting, sleep, and there's one speaker, one presentation by the guy I had just spent seven years doing presentations with for aligners. That guy was speaking on this topic. <laughs> I'm like, how did I miss this? <laughs> but at the same time, I'm just so freaking grateful because I'm like, okay, I'm going to call him. So I call him the next day because I think this was in the middle of the night when I saw this post. And I call him the next day and I say, hey, this is what's going on with Finn. This, 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 this is, go- oh yeah, that's, that's definitely disordered breathing. We need to take a look at him. And I'm like, you know, like the, heavens opened up the light bulb, a very, very, very big light bulb was over my brain. And I was like, okay. So I go to the ADA and I learn as much as I can about this. I learned that my functional therapy is going to be necessary. I get him evaluated for a tongue tie, which obviously he had. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) And so we, um, we get the tongue release and my husband and I got our tongue released at the same time. (laughs) Mm-hmm, so, because it's in families a lot of times. Yes, it right? is. So not mm-hmm. shocking that we both had this issue. And um, then I started his myofunctional therapy. So at the time, Zoom was not popular. Skype was, you know, you could Skype with people, but there were no myofunctional therapists in Manhattan that I knew of. So with my background, I said, well, I could take the course. I mean, I know about this. So I went ahead and took the um, myofunctional therapy four-day course and learned how to do these exercises with him. And so we would do exercises in the car. We would do mm-hmm. them on the way to school. And then before, for about a month and a, and a month after his phrenectomy, we, and it was a phrenectomy at the time because um, people weren't doing the frenuloplasty that they do now. But um, which is the doggy train technique where it's a it's a combination of laser and a little bit of sutures if necessary. So you don't have as much scarring 
-hmm. So, um, but at the same time, and in both cases, you really need to do myofunctional therapy to train the tongue. So the tongue needs to be able to stay up on the roof of the mouth suctioned during the procedure. So if the tongue can't stay up there to some degree, and that doesn't mean it's always going to, but in his case, his palate wasn't so high. He wasn't really a thumb sucker and, and it, he didn't have a really high palate then. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas sometimes I know in Savvy's case, she was born with a high palate. With that, yep, so, that high arch, yep. Right, right. And that can also, you know, as you know, can push into when you do have a thumb sucker or you are um, not able to reach the roof of the mouth with the tongue, it pushes into the nasal cavity and can create more of an obstruction. So, right. um, but what we found with once he was, um, the tongue tie was identified and the other big indicator was the mouth breathing. You're listening to Airway First with today's guest, Kelly Richardson. You can find out more about the Children's Airway First Foundation and our mission to ensure that every child has access to screening, evaluation, and treatment of all children's airway disorders before the age of six on our website at childrensairwayfirst.org. The CAF website offers tons of great resources for parents, including videos, blogs, recommended books, comprehensive medical research, and so much more. You can also join us via our Facebook support group, The Airway Huddle. The Airway Huddle is designed for parents of children with airway and sleep-related issues. You can access the Airway Huddle support group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash airway huddle. Are you interested in becoming a guest or do you have an idea for an upcoming episode? Then shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. As a reminder, this podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. If you suspect your child might have an airway issue, contact your pediatric airway dentist or pediatrician. And now let's jump back into my interview with today's guest, Kelly Richardson. So he was a mouth breather from birth because I had taught him by separating his, um, by, by keeping his tongue low in his mouth that um, with the, with the bottle feeding um, that he learned sort of that low mouth tongue posture that helped it make it easier to breathe through his mouth. <laughs> and also it can also just happen when a kid gets a cold and then they just default to the mouth breathing and it becomes a habitual thing. So, right. but he, right. he did have constant congestion. He had a lot of inflammation, but, but also what's been found in, uh, is that mouth breathing is one of the biggest um, problems in creating congestion in the nose. So when you're mouth breathing, you're creating that localized inflammation. And that doesn't always mm -hmm. mean it's creating um, it's, it's uh, enlarging the tonsils or the adenoids, but it can because the tonsils and adenoids are lymph tissue and they collect the gunk coming in. Whereas the mm -hmm. nose has a different pathway. So the nose will, um, the well, it it. hairs, it will, yeah, yeah, it'll clean it. And then you have the nitric oxide that is actually a an antibacterial and antiviral. So it's going to keep a lot of that, the, um, the bacteria and the gunk out as well. So you've got two, two first lines of defense in the nose. You, you don't have anything in the mouth. All just all dirty, dirty air. Come on in. And that can create a lot of the inflammation to keep them from being able to breathe, but mm -hmm. through the nose again, and you have to push through that. You can't just all of a sudden say, oh, I'm going to close my mouth and start breathing through my nose, especially if it's been happening for an extended period of time, you have to right. stick with it. So if, if the child can breathe through the nose, if, if you have them close their mouth and they can breathe through their nose for three minutes without distress then you can push through with this habit of retraining to, to strictly 24 seven nasal breathing. If they can't, then you would definitely need to um, see what the obstructions are, which could be nasal obstructions, uh, adenoids and other things. So I certainly don't wanna simplify it, but for us, 
he, Finn um, started off, even before he had the tongue release, he started off with a breathing retrainer. So at night he would sleep with this and it took about a week for him to get into the habit of being able to breathe through his nose with this in his mouth. I mean, it's, it, they're designed that several companies make them, but they're designed and your dentist, you, your dentist would fit them. Um, but they're designed for um, the child to be able to pop it out of their mouth if they're in distress. So after about a week, they get used to wearing these. It deprograms the lip muscles. A lot of the stuff that you find in myofunctional therapy is addressed um, early. Some of the minor, not minor, but some of the things like deprogramming the lips because the lips can be tight and push in. And so you deprogram that and you can pull the jaw forward a little bit with these devices. So it keeps him forward, even if he doesn't have the tongue suction. And, but most importantly, it blocks the mouth from mouth breathing at night because when he mouth breathed that would mouth breathe at night his jaw his his recessed chin that jaw that lower jaw mm-hmm. would fall back in closer it's is already closer to the to the airway at that point so we needed it up and forward and that's what these device did so it was interesting so um he was in first no it was in kindergarten when we started this breathing breathing retrainer we did it over the holidays, because we got got the device over Christmas time. And so he had had enough of uh, maybe a week or so of wearing this device when he went back to school. And the funny thing is, at our school, the kindergarten teachers don't want the parents hovering because, you know, that's not good. You, I mean, it's kind of right. like you got to separate, you know, the kid goes right. in here now, you go home. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but when you have one, you know. Kind of addicted. But anyway, um, so they had always kind of created a healthy boundary between the parents. So my husband called me because it, that that's the day he had taken him to school the first day after school, after Christmas vacation. And he called and he goes, oh, the teacher, she didn't even just talk to me. She tracked me down. And I'm like, oh, she talked to you. What did she say? Yeah. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I mean, I think she's nice. Right. And he's like, no, she wanted to know what we did with Finn, because interestingly enough, she was actually the assistant teacher. Okay. And when we had had our first meeting with the teacher, the, the, the teacher, our teacher had said, well, you know, he does have a lot of energy and this is a different teacher, different school, but she had said he has a lot of energy. Um, and the other teacher said, but yet he seems tired. And we're like, huh? Right. Right. If you look, if you look at a child that's hyperactive that didn't sleep well, you're going to notice the tired if you're astute enough. And she was like, I noticed he's tired. And I thought, huh, I don't, I know he's tired, but I don't notice it in the activity. So well, you're used to it. You saw it every day. Right. So yeah, this is who he is to us. Um, And he also would used to swing his arm a lot too. He had restless leg syndrome, which we were able to kind of get that a little bit at bay with um, a little bit of um, some medication, but we tried everything we could to not do medication, but he would constantly swing his arm. Actually, the restless leg syndrome can also be in your arms. And so he would constantly move it. And it feels like there's like something in his shoulder that he would have to, um, if he, by swinging his arm, it would make that at least resolve it a little bit or address it, Mm -hmm. but it was always Mm -hmm. there. So we resolved okay. that. And that has a lot to do with the kicking when he we would he would move a lot. We would also hear the kicking. Right. The he, thrashing when it's left. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had these little, this little thing around his bed. He had a loft bed. And so it was like you could hear this clang, clang when he would move. And it was just because the way that all the slats fit in together, there was little spaces. And so it could, it just sounded, sounded loud. So we knew right. he was hitting it. Um So anyway, um, so she had absolutely, she tracked us down wanting to know, what have you done? I am seeing such a big difference. I am so curious. What have you done? And again, this was after a week, week, two weeks. This was, was oh, he had been wearing it for a week. For Finn, it was funny because he, he was so ready for answers that whatever we said to do, he was like, got it. 
So even though I wrote this book about nose breathing, (laughs) it's not like one of those things where for my son, you had to say, okay, we're going to do this. And he's like, oh, what? No, it was not that. It was like, nose, that's it. I'm in. Exercises, that's it. Teach me. We'll do them. You want to take me out of school? Fine. We'll do these in the middle of the day. He was so on board because he was, he wanted to sleep. He was tired. And even though he had known he wasn't like the difference because he had had this since birth, he was ready for a different kind of life, really. So, um, so yeah, the other thing that I didn't mention that he had was eczema, which is another sign. So he had these little face rashes. And so we go to the doctor mm-hmm. and they're like, well, use this cream. And we're like, okay, he's just got, needs this cream, but that's also another sign. But that was, yeah. And ever since then, so we, we decided to go with treatment, um, with, uh, you know, Kevin Boyd. So yes. I met Kevin Boyd mm-hmm. at uh, the Dawson Academy and, Um, so we decided, well, he's, he's our guy because he was going to pull the maxilla forward. So we Mm -hmm. still, so it's six and a half or really by the time I met Kevin, uh, Kevin, he was kind of closer to seven. Finn was closer to seven. And as you know, we want to catch kids six and under. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks before six, before six. But what happens is up until nine and a half, this maxilla, this bone, um, the upper bone that houses the upper teeth, you can pull that forward without it hurting or needing surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what we did was Finn was getting expanders for the out to expand his dental arches out and mm-hmm. upright those teeth. Right. I'm talking about it forever. <laughs> Like, you know, so, okay. So we were doing this technique where there was the expanders were going out. The expanders would come forward too, but we were also, he was also wearing a device that pulls his bone forward called mm-hmm. a reverse pull face mask, completely opposite of what I had as a child, which was the uh, headgear. I do mm-hmm. not recommend mm-hmm. a headgear ever. No. <laughs> so um, I don't, don't want there to be any confusion about that. Um, but we, so he was sleeping in that. He slept in that device for two and a half years and we really got that maxilla forward. So what we were doing during that time period is we're pulling the upper bone forward and, mm-hmm. and, and the, he, Dr. Boyd could measure on a x-ray how far back or if it does need to be done. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like he was just like, oh yeah, I can see some signs and symptoms. Let's do it. So he does some, he does this with measurements but we saw the venous pooling. So if your facial bone is, is back, it's going to push on the spaces that house these little veins right here. And so you'll have this little venous pooling, these little dark circles under the eyes that will indicate that this bone is kind of pressing on that. So mm-hmm. another indicator that we didn't notice, but was present in Finn. And it also makes that. kids look tired too. So, I mean, it could just be that it could be that. But when you look back at photos, I mean, first of all, the photos, I, I did a compilation of Finn's photos going back to when he was first year of life. And I had no problem finding open mouth posture. So he was developing a face that was long mm-hmm. um, or it his we, we caught a lot of it um, early enough to be able to do the expansion out. And if you look at my husband, my husband is, is, um, has a wider face. He doesn't have that long face. So genetically he had things going in his favor that didn't, the mouth breathing, the constant open mouth mouth breathing did not affect his facial, um, craniofacial growth as much as it could another, a child from a different family. Um, but we also caught it early enough to be able to, Mm -hmm. while his face is growing, um, we were able to do that and pull the um, upper bone forward. And so he has, we even have, um, on our website or our, um, YouTube site, we made a video of Finn putting his reversible face mask on, because if you look at this, it looks like a medieval torture device. And if most people would say, I am not one prescribing that (laughs) and two, (laughs) the kids will never wear it. And three, the parents would be in shock and horror to think they were going to put it on. (laughs) Right. Right. But for me, we're in, (laughs) I'm like, what does it look like? Great. Let's do it. (laughs) And so he would, he put it on and, um, but this, he's joking around in this video and it's so disarming, but it was because, um, it's important. 
for, in my opinion, for littles to see other littles doing something that they're being asked to do. So, um, I mean, we tell them as parents all day long what to do. And, and I mean, at this point, they just tune you out because it's like, but really when you have other kids and so Finn also learned how to do the saline nasal rinse up and through his nose. Not a big deal. This is going to help me sleep better. I'm in. So and you've we, got a link to that. And I'll put all these, by uh-huh. the way, links to all of these. Of oh, thanks. And doing things. Yeah, we'll put yeah. that in the show notes. Well, so the whole reason that we put all of these things together was because when it is so visceral that you can't find this content, and then it's extremely like, just almost shocks your soul when you do find the answer. Like yeah. from Bill Hang's post and, and really it was probably either Debbie Hang, who is as equal force behind what they're doing out in California at, um, with face first. Um, I can't remember what their organization is, um, what they call it, but the, we'll it's echo. Is what they're teaching. Yeah. Okay. We'll put a link um, to Dr. Hang as well. All of these people like had no idea all the way across the country. They're changing my, my kid's life and changing our life in the process. Because when you have a child that's struggling and you don't know how to help them, you feel so helpless and you just, you're supposed to be the parent that has answers. And I I wasn't, I didn't have the answers. So, so we got in, uh, so he put these videos together for his, some of them, the one for the nasal rinse, we did that for his buddy because we were trying to get him to get on board with it too. Cause oh, all we okay. do is talk about this stuff in playgrounds and I hand out breather right strips nonstop. Then wears a knee and breathe right strip every night. Um, and he's still in, we're still trying to get some more lateral expansion with him because in our case with going to Chicago for our treatments, um, sometimes when the device doesn't fit as well and you're not getting as much of the expansion that you need, then um, it wasn't that he wasn't wearing it as much. It just wasn't a good fit. So we've now gone and you can't to just run right back and readjust it. You've got time. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's what's what's so great is that by all of these organizations who are teaching doc dentists how to do these. Um, I've now got a local doctor who is doing airway, sleep and breathing, zoggy trained frenuloplasties and all of that stuff. And I, and she's just the most wonderful person, Dr. Dr. D. And um, so it's nice to have somebody local that we can mm-hmm. refer to mm-hmm. um, instead of saying, well, you know, we go to Chicago, you know, right, <laughs> now, right. I should also preface that with, we've also not gone on a lot of vacations over the last, so it's not like I'm just telling everybody, look, you should just have enough money to fly to Chicago. It's a sacrifice that we've made, but I got, I mean, there is for me, I happily sacrifice a vacation of course. for this. Yeah. So, and, and Dr. Boyd's office is amazing. They're, they usually accommodate Wednesdays or cheaper flight days. So <laughs> we fly up, see them, and then we fly back and we've got a little restaurant that we go to. We've got a little process, but right. just make a day of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this, but, whole, this, this is what has led to your book that yeah. you wrote. Yeah. The very stuffy nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the very stuff he knows was one of those things, because not only did we, was it memorable that mouth breathing in Finn needed to, he needed to be a nose breather. So if you're not, if, if you have that mouth breathing posture, your whole face can grow longer and your chin can Mm -hmm. grow down and back. And I'll show you, I've got the book right here. So this is the book, but what's important about it is that my illustrator spent hours helping me hone in on the facial posture of a child that is mouth breathing versus a child that's nose breathing. So this is a story of Finn. He gets a stuffy nose. He realizes he gets a cold and he gets a stuffy nose. And then he realizes if he opens his mouth, he can get all this air in. And this is great. So after his cold, he just keeps breathing through his mouth because why not? It's big. It's wide. I can fit lots of air inside. And so he... Um, is now a mouth breather and he notices that he can't um, smell anything. And after a while, he notices that um, the stuffy nose has just not gone away. So he sits and he thinks, and this is on the page where he sits and he thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, what you'll see here is that you have a chin that is down and back. And what you may not notice, but a 
dental trained person will notice that there's some venous pooling under those eyes. And when the venous pooling, when that bone is back, it's going to push on that that bone, that maxilla, and it's going to cause you to see the whites of the eyes underneath the colored part of the eye. So my my illustrator did um, a really good job of of differentiating between that. And we tried to do the same thing here on this page where we're showing the difference between the mouth breathing and the nose breathing Mm -hmm. face. So the the one up top. The one in the cloud. Yeah, yeah, this is when he remembers, oh, I used to be able to smell things and now I can't. Wonder why that is. And then the one down below, but his chin is not as down and back as as it is in the other one. So I kind of like to show that. And then we have in pretty much any mouth breathing pictures, he's got uh, a low tongue posture. So low tongue posture, mm-hmm. venous pooling, all these little things that that a dental professional or a treatment coordinator could be able to show a kid and say, um, or show mom, dad, caregiver. This is what, or teachers, because my, mm-hmm. my, my heart is really in teaching teachers because teachers are have a huge opportunity if they can just help kids understand at two and at, at in second grade and third grade, that if they practice some breathing exercises in their class, they can actually teach kids how to nasal breathe mm-hmm. and they can teach them how to bring down the anxiety that someone yes. feels when they're over breathing from a, maybe a conflict with another kid or a quiz that they didn't, they, they don't mm-hmm. feel like they're ready for, or just anything, maybe standing up in front of class and having to say something. So sure. um, it, to me, I think that's where it's just a, a general lack of knowledge that mouth breathing is, is harmful. And mm-hmm. so we found that in talking to all these airway doctors, dentists who were treating Every one of them would say, well, first we got to change to the mouth, the mouth breathing to the nose breathing. We got to address the nose breathing. We got to get to the nose breathing. And that was never, it was never controversial. It's never, there's any, there's not anybody going, well, no, wait a minute. I think the mouth is a good way, is the right way to breathe. Right. Not right. exactly. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so it was like, okay, well, good. That's not controversial. <laughs> I'm not going to have pushback yeah. there. Um, As a parent, you know, with your background, looking back now, knowing what you know and what you saw. Yeah. Obviously, we're all parents. We spend, I don't know how much of our time critiquing ourselves, thinking how much we messed up, but you don't know what you didn't know. That's right. So now you're looking back. What kind of advice, having been through this and, and experienced all this, what kind of advice can you offer other parents that might be in the same spot you're in that are having to advocate? for help for their child? Well, probably one of the best things now is on Google, you can find what you need to find. So your website has the resources to educate yourself before you go and see somebody. Because even after Finn had been diagnosed with a tongue tie, I would I went to a local ENT, pediatric ENT here for something else. Um, and I, I can't remember what it was, but I went to see. And when I told her, when she came in the room and I said, well, we already know he's got a tongue tie, but I'm here to show you, to talk to you about this. And she goes, oh, tongue tie. And she, she said, oh, can, um, stick your, stick your tongue out. And he stuck his tongue out and, and lifted it up. And she goes, oh no, he's not tied with absolute authority. She told me my child mm. is not tongue tied. <laughs> like, um, so I know he is. And of course I don't right. say that, but I'm thinking if I was anybody else, you would have stopped right I there. I would have said, Oh yeah. yeah. Well, great. We're not going to get on right. a plane and go get that tongue tie done. Good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I would not have known. So but my again, advice, you're back to, you don't know what you don't know. Obviously you don't know what you don't know. Doctors don't know. And they just the don't, thing. they're not taught. And it's not, I don't hold a grudge against anybody mm-hmm. that didn't know this. I just would right. say as a parent, there are things out there, that there are sources and sites. So your site being one of them, we created the Super Breather site because for so long I would stand in a, in a, in a playground and I would tell a parent, well, Google this. Oh, and, and Google this Oh, and read this book. Oh, but you should do this other thing first. And so I put all of this stuff on Facebook. So I said, all right, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put it all on Facebook. And then what happened is my Facebook page got so messy that I would be like, well, wait, go watch this Finding Conor Deegan video or go do this. And I was like, "Uh, well, they're not going to be able to find any of this information. So we and we also decided that we um, we now have the responsibility of being able to provide information and direct anyone that reads the book 
that isn't in a dental office that just happens to find it. it's in our local library. Um, I, LinkedIn, I had a popular post about it. So people might buy it. And now where, where are they going to find information? So now on our, we have a site that explains mm-hmm. a little bit about breathing and our story and, and then provides sources of where, oh, hi, kitty. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a lot of great info, and I will include the link to that as well because you've got some great info. You actually had a couple of books that I haven't read and have since uh, read because they were on there. Nice. So, oh, yeah. we absolutely want to make sure we share that as well. Yep, yeah, and I think what's so great is that I just knew I didn't, I couldn't find this information as a parent, and yeah. so I just couldn't be. I the responsibility was on me to say I am going to be that voice, and I don't. I mean, I'm the voice for the parent but I'm the voice for that little person and to be able to offer hope to those parents and be able to direct those parents to get that person as early as possible. So when people reach out to me, I, I'm, I'm just going to help you and I'm going to sort of fill in the gaps and then I'm going to send you to the professional. Like you can talk to Kevin Boyd and he can rattle off all the studies. You can listen to Patrick McEwen and he knows the studies. Well, I've read them, but I can't always source them. And, and so it's, right. There's a community, but what I would say is probably the most important thing is there is not necessarily going to be an airway minded dentist in your area that's going to be able to help you. So you're going to likely have to travel some distance to find them and be okay with that because you can't. And just like Savvy Story, if you find out too late, then there's certain things you can't go back and do that aren't surgical. So mm-hmm. I would say take it very seriously as early as you can and then make a couple of trips and, and know that some of these airway doctors will work with you and also let them start there. So mm-hmm. let them quarterback everything, because if they know that you have a tongue tie and they're not offering it, they're going to know who to send you to instead of you thinking, let me figure out, well, I'm just going to go to this guy because he's down the street or I'm going to go see this gal because she's um, she promotes it online um, because they're not always um, it, it is starting to be a little bit of a buzzword where sometimes you're going to find that if you go into um, an office, if you've armed yourself with a lot of this information and done the research, you're going to be able to see through the ones that say, oh yeah, well we do tongue ties. Oh great. Okay. Or tongue releases. Okay. Well, what myofunctional therapist do you recommend? Oh, you know, we don't need that. Okay. Not your person. Exactly. Right. right. So that's, you will know that going in. And I know that that was not my ENT because she said he didn't have a tongue tie. Okay. Good to know. Thanks. Well, can we resolve this other issue? And then I, then I I will go somewhere that we need go somewhere else. That's right for us. So I, I would just say that there's enough research out there for you to find, find out, or if not, then, then reach out to, to those of us who can help you. I mean, I, I'm never going to turn down a conversation with somebody that just says, look, I, you're the only person I found. I'm so grateful that you found me. Mm-hmm. What do you need to do? And who can I help you find? And so I've even started putting a, a doc locator on our site with some of the, the more. I um, saw that, yeah. Because these are the people that I would go to. So mm-hmm. knowing, uh, I mean, at least that way I can say, well, there's somebody probably within your geographic Southeast region. <laughs> like, yeah, they might not somewhat. be in your state, but they're close enough. And um, they're, and you know, and they are getting better. I mean, you know, we've been putting ours together. Yes. We also link out to airway health solutions, which yeah. has Dr. Ben Moralia and, and Kevin Boyd and right. you know, they're training across the country. It just, yep. it takes time. It takes yep. time to train everybody. It does. It does. And that's the thing. As we continue to build, the the exciting thing is it's going to be, there's going to be more and more. And I would say there's going to, it's going to hit a tipping point where a lot of doctors are able to offer these procedures. Um, Mm -hmm. But for those of us, for for the kids that are, let's say, eight and under, if your seven or eight-year-old has this problem, you got to get in early if you're going to start doing something where you can pull that bone forward. Because after nine and a half, you can maybe get some. And what's cool is they find, well, we thought it was this, and now we can do more if you try a little bit more. But um, but, uh, yeah, nothing retractive. I I would just say if somebody's um, steering you down the path of retractive for the sake of lining things up, than making a nice, pretty smile. Um, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have anyone take 
any teeth out of my son's mouth or nope. even retract. I, I would just say we're going to either do some restorative stuff or you're just going to be healthy and have spaces. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> so, right, exactly. Yeah, because exactly. I need and, him to breathe and I need him to sleep well. So, right, right. And you said something earlier that, you know, when, when we were talking before the show, that as a parent, it's so overwhelming. You know, where do you go? Where do you find all this information? Yes. You're trying to keep it all in your head. I love what you said. Start with the very stuff he knows. Let's just start there. <laughs> and then when you're ready and you're not so overwhelmed anymore, let's move yeah. into, you know, James Nassau. Let's move into the heavy hitters at that point. So you can absolutely get your footing first. It's us. There's so much to it. Well, there is. And um, I just met Shireen Lim who wrote um, Breathe, Sleep, Thrive. And that book is unbelievably packed with the nuggets that I would have, would have really benefited learning. And I would just say to parents, this, these aren't, these are books written for parents. They're not written in dental speak. They're designed to Mm -hmm. be able to educate you so that when you do go in to see a provider that you have that information and, and I, and, and you could take in some of those studies. We have our resources page that has studies. Um, You have your studies page. There's all these resources Mm -hmm. that, that, um, and I think that the more this is, this is uh, more parents that go into these doctor's offices with these research, because doctors want to see research. They just don't want to hear that you read something on Google. It's right. um, they, they, they need to see research, but if you can give them that direction, then, then some will start to recognize after they've heard it for the, whatever number of time from a parent, Oh, I'm so tired of hearing about this. I'm going to go learn about it. Then that's, what's going to make the change because um, parents should stand up for the right. You are the person that is, or the caregiver or the grandparents. I spoke to, I've spoken Mm -hmm. to many grandparents about this and you are the person that can make this happen. And it's not always going to be the the first doctor that you're going to see, but we do have our story in the back of the very stuffy nose that sort of explains the path we went down um, so that the parents can have a little bit more information on that. Um, so it doesn't just leave the parents with just, oh, okay, well, this is funny, a book about a nose. And that's it was so important, my illustrator, that we did fun stuff because you can't, <laughs> you're writing a book about a stuffy nose. I mean, this is, if it's not colorful and cute, you've lost them at page one. Like, right, right. But, you know, this isn't a mouse finds a cookie thing. This is a... <laughs> Like mm-hmm. a kid gets a stuffy nose and breathes through his mouth. Like, oh yeah, let's pick that one. But, right. but my illustrator did such a great job. And it is a great so, book. Yeah. I highly recommend it. We, you, we, we got a copy after, you know, collaboration cures. Mm-hmm. Totally recommend it. Absolutely. You. Well, and I did, I did create on our website, we created a little habit helper because I do know that there's, um, I'll show it to you. It's, um, it's, uh, it's like, yeah. Every day you, you scratch off one of these little gold dots and there's a picture of a lizard. So there's a lizard on every two page spreads. And because kids tend to find these lizards, this lizard seems to be a lot more popular than the cat. And I thought the cat would be really popular, but there's a lizard, a baseball and a cat on every two page spread. So mm-hmm. there's something fun to look for. Um, but we created these only that we don't want it to sound like this is a simple thing. And for some kids hearing it for the first time, like, "Ah, whatever. Um, So we wanted to make the habit process more fun to gamify it because otherwise, even if you just write it off, we've missed the opportunity to change that habit. And and the point of the book is to to kind of really help parents understand, oh, there is a difference. And then also for kids to want to read it enough times so that they, they realize, and his little mantra, I'll keep my mouth closed and read through my nose. I'll keep my mouth closed. Mm -hmm. If you, if you just like get them thinking that, then they're going to change that habit on their own and, and have fun with it. It's half the battle. For sure. The battle, right. Because if we tell them to do it, they're going to be a little bit resistant depending on how much we've told them that week, but right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But if they're ready, then then it'll work. So at the end of every episode, I always like to turn it back over to the guest and let you have the final word. And uh, typically it's, you can speak to parents, you can talk about your journey. So I just completely turn it over to you. Any final thoughts? I would just say parenting is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I mean, we, I have probably made more mistakes or at least as many as most. And I would say that um, at whatever point you find yourself hearing this message, 
that there is something that can be done. And even for adults, if you're an, if you're an adult that had this, I mean, I, I learned about breathing retraining so that I would get better sleep. And now I get better sleep. And I don't think I, I don't think I dreamed for probably 20 years, but now I use a breathe right strip. I do the mouth taping, which is starting to build in its popularity, but you've got to keep that mouth closed so that it doesn't interfere with getting into those deeper levels of sleep. And there was an article in Vogue, (laughs) which is very helpful because there was a, a, an an article that where the, the um, writer was, is a Vogue writer. And she was just like, Oh man, I was horrified that, you know, to hear that my husband was telling people we were doing this. But then she was like, but you know, it isn't, it's important for parents to understand that if they're a mouth breather too, this isn't just for kids. This message is for everybody. And there are procedures and they're not always maxillomandibular surgery. There's, there are um, ways where the, the, uh, an adult can be expanded out. So a lot of really cool things are happening that can help everybody. So this isn't just a child issue. It's just that when things are movable at those younger ages right. and you can really develop a face um, that breathes well, then they're off and running. But if, you know, if parents have had these issues too, uh, or you're hearing this and your child is older, you're not out of luck. You still have something. Don't wait or don't, don't it's just turn away and say, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, he's 10. So I guess I'll just, um, you know, give up. That's never not at all the message. There are things being done for all ages. It's just ideal if you can catch it early and don't beat up on yourself because we all are learning. (laughs) Yep. We're all doing the best we can. We're just doing the best we can. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your journey and, and all the best to Finn as well. Well, thank you for all that you're doing because it is, um, had I come across your site boy, would my life have been different. And um, there's plenty of people that, that are, their lives are different because of what you're, you guys are doing. So I'm super grateful for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to today's guest, Kelly Richardson, for sharing her story and medical insight. And to each of you for listening to today's episode. If you're new to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review or comment telling us about what you enjoyed most. You can stay connected with the Children's Airway First Foundation by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. You can also join us via our Facebook parent support group, The Airway Huddle, at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Airway Huddle. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for an upcoming episode, shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. As a reminder, this podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. If you suspect your child might have an airway issue or related sleep disorder, contact your pediatric airway dentist or pediatrician. And finally, thanks to all the parents and medical professionals out there that are working to help make the lives of kids around the globe just a little bit better. Take care, stay safe, and happy breathing, everyone.